Somebody ought to take about 30 seconds right here and praise him because you got faith over fear. Said I have no reason to fear. You got God on your side. There's nothing to be afraid of. When you've got God on your side, you'll face a giant. And the giant will be threatening you. And the giant will be railing against you. And you can look that giant in the eye and let him know this day, I'm going to hand your head over to a buzzard. Not because of me, but because of the God that I serve. When you come against me, you're coming against my God. You're coming. I wish I had a believer in the building. When you fight me, you got to fight all of heaven that's standing behind me. So I have no reason to fear. It'll make you walk out in the middle of a field while everybody else is hiding behind bushes. It'll make you stand up and say, who dares defile the armies of the living? Is there not a cause? You can hide and be afraid if you want to, but I got some promises on the other side of this challenge. I've got some miracles on the other side of this trouble. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to run to it. When you got faith over fear, you don't run from it, but you run to it. This is my chance. This is my opportunity. This is what I was born to do. This is what I've been trained. Bring it on, devil. Because the more we're afflicted, the more we grow. Tell your neighbor, trouble ain't nothing but an opportunity for victory. I just need some believers in the building tonight. You can't win a battle without a conflict. You can't have a trophy without a race. I wish I had a witness in the bigger the giant, the harder they fall. The bigger the prize. There must be a reason the enemy's fighting you so hard. It ought to be an indicator to you of what's on the other side. That just hit somebody right there. There's a reason you've been struggling like you are. There's a reason you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with. Because there's a big door and there's many adversaries. Those enemies are an indication to you that there's a big door waiting for you. Hey! And I intend to walk through it. I intend to go all the way. I'm not afraid. Everybody.
place tonight. I thank God for the victory of the Holy Ghost. Sunday morning, I was in a hotel room in Detroit, Michigan, getting ready for church. And outside in the hallway and across in several of the rooms, there was commotion that had been going on since the night before. And right while I was getting ready, I heard something that sounded like, like a, a, a metal cart crashing into the wall of my room. Instantly, pandemonium broke loose outside of my hotel room door. And all I kept hearing somebody shout was, he shot, he shot. After a few moments of this, I, I opened the door to my room and there was a young man laying outside of my hotel door with a gunshot wound right through the head. 40 caliber gun casings were found right there. It's by the grace of God that more fire didn't erupt and possibly a stray bullet come through that room. That afternoon, the pastor of the church where I was preaching said, Bishop, we're, we're, we're going to get you a different room. It, it, we don't want you in any kind. I said, don't you dare change a thing. I ain't scared of nothing. I ain't worried about no bullets. I ain't worried about no... Come on, somebody. When you got the Holy Ghost, you don't live in fear of everything. When you got the Holy Ghost, I wish... Let me bring it where some of you are living. Uh, worry, worry is nothing more than fear. I'm preaching to a worrier in the building. Uh, the Holy Ghost uh, wants to deliver you from your worry. Uh, it's not the will of God that you wake up every day uh, worried about everything going on in your... Baby, you're a child uh, of the King. Uh, God wants you to wake up every day, square your shoulders, and walk like the royalty that you are. My God is my provider. My God is my way maker. My God is my healer. Somebody in the building ought to lift your voice and shout until you got faith over your fear. Bible said it's not the will of God for his children to go to bed at night eating the bread of sorrow and to stay up all night worrying. The next verse says, go to sleep, my child. God wants you to lay your head on that pillow and tell, don't worry about a thing. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. The Lord been saying that a long time before that song was ever written. God has wanted, don't worry about a thing. I don't sleep, so while you're sleeping, I'm taking care of you. While you're in bed, I'm working everything out. While you're in the middle of your struggle, I'm taking care of business. I'm not restricted by time. I'm not restricted by geography. I'm not restricted by resources. So all I need you to do is give me the praise and I'll take, I wish somebody would, go ahead and lift your hands and 
working it out for your good. He's working all things. I said he's working all things. The bad things, the hard things, the sorrowful things. house tonight. Hey! hey! Mm. I'll tell you how I feel. I feel like making the enemy pay for every sleepless night I've ever had. I feel like making the devil pay for every worry I've had to entertain. I feel like making the enemy pay the price for every this day. God, we we ain't careful. We're going to mess this soul service up right here tonight. Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. Amen. It is so good to be home tonight. Amen. Amen. And uh, I want to first give a great big thank you uh, for the incredible ministry that was represented in this pulpit in my absence this weekend. How many of you were absolutely blessed? by the ministry of Brother Stewart on Sunday morning, Pastor John Spilazzo on Sunday night. How many of you thank God for the mantles of anointing and ministry that are represented in this house? Amen. I thank God for them and their ministry. And uh, Sunday, two more were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We ought to give God a praise for that tonight. Amen. And, uh, and then I have a, a special uh, prayer request tonight for a, uh, a young married couple in this church. Um, in case you, you, uh, some of you don't know, there has, there has been something uh, in the water here at the Rock Church that has been impacting couples recently. And uh, there's a couple that, that, that got a diagnosis that, that this water, that the, the contagions that are in this water got to their family. And uh, it's, uh, 
It's uh It's uh It's brother Eric and sister Priscilla. They're expecting a baby girl. Would you help me give them a great big hand clap of congratulations tonight? Amen. Congratulations, kiddos. These are like my own kids. And uh, I, I was... I was watching Eric when he was born and holding him when he had dirty diapers. And uh, he has become an incredible young man and so thankful for his family and the beautiful wife that God has given him. And now a precious baby is on the way. We're thankful for another addition to our family. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. To you, be careful of the water here at the Rock Church. Be careful drinking the water here at the Rock Church. Amen. Anybody come ready for the word of the Lord tonight? I'll take all of you and we'll go have a Bible study. I don't know what the rest of y'all are gonna do tonight. Anybody come ready for the word of the Lord tonight? Stand with me all over this house. I am going to be expeditious tonight. And uh, I, I want to just share with you something that's been in my spirit all day long. And um, I understand after this many years of preaching, uh, I will be 47 this week. Amen. I don't know whether to shout or cry about that. <clears throat> but I have been preaching now for 32 years, believe it or not. And after 32 years of ministry, I have learned uh, when to sense God's placement of his word and, and what he wants to orchestrate. And so uh, I just want to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. God wants to talk to somebody in this place. Amen. Book of Psalms chapter number one is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me tonight. Psalms chapter one, verse number one. It begins with four words, blessed is the man. The precedent for what is about to follow is set right here. Blessed is the man. This is not gender specific man. You could also say blessed is the wall man. The woman. You know why she is called a woman? Because when God made Eve and he woke Adam up out of his sleep, he said, whoa, man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I like the sound of that tonight. And for a few moments, I simply want to preach to you from this thought, how to be blessed. How to be blessed. Is there anybody in the building tonight who wants to know how to be blessed? Put your hands together one more time and give God a great praise for his word in this house. Woo! Amen. If you promise to preach with me, you may be seated tonight. The first thing that we have to establish and settle here tonight in order for this Bible study to uh, be effective in your life is the fact that there is a group of people here that want to be blessed. Is there anybody in the building that wants to be blessed? I'm going to give you one more opportunity because if you want God to know that you're ready to be blessed, uh, we ought to do more than just a little golf clap uh, and a two-second shout in the building. Uh, when a word of declaration comes in the house uh, and God wants to know uh, who wants to be blessed, uh, I want to jump up and down and scream, uh, me, uh, me, uh, I want to be blessed, God. I want the. Fa I wish somebody would take a moment right here and just let it be known. I want the blessing of God in my life. I don't want to live without it. I don't want to live beneath it. I don't want to live outside of it. I want the blessing of God in my life. And if you don't want your blessing, baby, give it to me. I'll take yours too. I'll take a double portion. I want to be blessed because nothing can do to your life what the blessing of God can do to your life. Woo. Your education will never take you as far as the blessing of God will take you in your life. I need a witness in this house. Your work ethic will never get you as far uh, as the blessing of God uh, can get in your life. Come on, somebody. Uh, your money can never do for you uh, what the blessing of God uh, can do in your life. I'd rather be blessed uh, than win the lottery. Uh, I'd rather be blessed than given a brand new house. Uh, I'd rather be blessed than drive a brand new car. Hallelujah, somebody in the building. Uh, do you want to be blessed tonight? And so the writer begins to give us some information about what it means if we are going to be blessed. And he begins by giving us three things that we need to pay close attention to. He begins to tell us how to be blessed by first giving us some things that we need to be careful of in our life. He says, number one, blessed is the man that walketh not 
in the counsel of the ungodly. Tell your neighbor, walketh not. Nor standeth in the way of the sinner. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There are three dynamics that the writer gives us that describes somebody uh, who is blessed. The man that is blessed, Brother Hale, uh, does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. A blessed man uh, doesn't stand in the way of sinners. A blessed man doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. And so if I'm going to be blessed, I don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't want to stand in the way of the sinner. And I don't want to sit in the seat of the scornful. An important note when reading this text is that there is a digression of movement that happens. But the more it begins with somebody walking, they are walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Can I just preach to you for a moment that if you want to be blessed, not everybody should be, have access to be a counselor to you. Come on, somebody. If you want to be blessed in your life, you better develop a revelation uh, that not everybody is qualified uh, to counsel you. Not everybody's voice is the voice that God has given uh, to give you counsel. Uh, come on, somebody. When we talk about ungodly counsel, uh, we're not just talking about sinful things, uh, but I'm talking about counsel that's not appointed by God uh, for your life. If you want to be blessed, you had better inspect the voices that you allow to have influence in your life. It's important to notate this because there is a dichotomy, a, a, a contrast that is drawn in this first set of things that, that is revealed to us and the rest of this text he is dealing with sources of information and influence. Your blessing, hear me somebody, is greatly connected to what influences you in your life. Your blessing is incredibly dependent on the things that influence your life. And so the writer said, if you're going to be blessed, you had better inspect the things that are in Inspect the voices that you receive counsel from. Inspect the voices that you allow to influence your thinking and your decisions. Come on, somebody. Whoever you spend time on the phone with, whoever you spend time texting back and forth, the people you meet the most frequent at the restaurant, or you sit parked in the car having one-hour-long conversations, you had better inspect the voices that you allow to speak to you in your life because your blessing uh, is dependent on you not having uh, ungodly counsel uh, in your life. Counsel that would speak to you the antithesis of God's word is not godly counsel. Voices that would detour you 
from your relationship with God are not godly counsel. Voices that would try to influence you to be disobedient are not godly counsel. Voices that would influence you to not be submitted or committed are not godly counsel. Come on, if you want the blessing of God, there's got to be something in you uh, that has a radar that goes off uh, when you find yourself in the company of people uh, whose conversation is not appropriate uh, to the blessing of God in your life. Uh, hey, uh, that topic is not one I'm interested in talking about. Uh, hey, I've got some things settled in my life uh, that are not up for debate. Uh, I've got some things that are fixed in my heart uh, that I'm not willing to put on the table uh, for discussion. And if they can't respect those guidelines and that's the only kind of thing they want to talk about, baby, you better develop the gift of goodbye in your life. Not everybody you love has to have access to your mind. Not everybody you care about has to be a voice that you entertain. I wish I could buy an amen in this house. If our conversation uh, doesn't cause me to want to be more obedient, uh, more submitted, uh, more sold out to God, then Brother Darren, I'm not interested uh, in the relationship. Uh, there had better be something in you uh, that when I leave your presence uh, makes me feel like I want to live for God stronger. Uh, makes me feel like I want a deeper walk with God. Uh, makes me feel, come on, uh, blessed is the man uh, that walketh not uh, in the counsel of the ungodly. That means that he walks in the counsel of the godly. I want godly counsel in my life. I want godly friends in my life. I want friends who challenge me to pray more. I want friends that challenge me to get in the word more. I want friends that challenge me to be involved in the kingdom of God more than what I am right now. I want voices in my life that challenge me to be a better Christian. Not voices that get me discouraged. Not voices that get me frustrated and angry uh, and distracted. Uh, I need godly counsel uh, in my, come on somebody, uh, your blessing is dependent uh, on how you manage uh, the counsel uh, in your life. Uh, are you struggling with being blessed? Uh, you might start inspecting the voices uh, that you've been listening. Those voices might be on social media. Uh, those voices might have the title pastor in front of them. Uh, those voices I don't care where they're coming from. Uh, if they are the antithesis of what God uh, has assigned for your life, uh, it's ungodly counsel. And it'll cause you to miss being a blessed person. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And if you walk... In the council, come here, Pastor Spalaza, help me out. If you walk in the council of the ungodly long enough, there's a digression of movement, and pretty soon you'll be standing instead of walking. Pretty soon you won't even have ambulatory capabilities. You'll be at a standstill. And now you're not just walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly long enough, then you'll be standing in the way 
of the sinner. Hallelujah. Before you know it, you'll look around and, and something inside you will say, I, I really shouldn't be here right now. Oh, I'm preaching better than some of y'all are shouting. I really don't belong at this dinner table right now. I, I'm not in the right place at this moment. I really shouldn't be here in the middle of this dynamic. The people that are around me right now and what's happening here, this is disobedient to God. This is sinful. This isn't right. What got you there? Because you were walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Now you're standing in the way of the sinner. Before you know it, you're doing things that you knew you should should not have done. Before you know it, you're participating in things that you know you shouldn't be participating in. Before you know it, you're thinking and speaking in ways that you know don't please God. And it started with what you allowed to influence your thinking, to speak to you, the counsel that you received. So now you're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but now you're also standing in the way of the sinner. Wow. And then there is a further digression because if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly and then you stand in the way of the sinner, it won't be long before you're seated in the seat of the scornful. Now you're not walking and you're not even standing. Now you're sitting. A complete digression of movement. And now you're not just satisfied with your own disobedience and sin. But now you've adopted a mentality and a spirit of scornfulness. Scornfulness starts to point fingers at everybody else. Scornfulness starts to become critical of everybody else. You, you, can, you can see everything going on with everybody. You can point out the wrong with everybody except the moat that's in your own eye. You have become scornful. What causes somebody to become scornful? It starts with the wrong acclimated environment of counsel in their life. Constantly hearing a voice that wants to talk bad about your faith in God. Constantly exposing yourself to negative environments that are not conducive to a, oh, you better hear me good. It's worth everything thing you got to remove yourself out of an ungodly environment. I just feel like preaching to somebody. I don't care what it costs you. I don't care what the sacrifice is. Baby, you should, don't you dare become a prison of an ungodly environment because you're afraid of losing benefits. Because you're afraid. I'm preaching to somebody in the Holy Ghost. Because you're afraid of losing an advantage of some sort. Baby, I don't care how cheap it is. I don't care if you gave it to me for free. I don't care what you did for me. If this is the way the environment's going to be, I'm out of here. Oh yeah, God's going to honor my decision not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly and stand in the way of the sinner and sit in the seat. I feel like telling somebody, you're not beholden to anybody when it comes to your walk with God. You got to do what you got to do to make it to heaven. You got to do what you got to do to get your heart right. You got to do what you got to do to 
keep your spirit right. If you get mad, you're going to have to get over it. If you get offended, I'm sorry. You're going to have to pray through. But I can't risk my walk with God and being blessed over this kind of stuff. I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not going to stand in the way of the sinner. I'm not going to sit in the seat of the scornful. Why? Because I want to live a blessed life. I said I want to live a blessed. This ain't worth the blessing of God. The blessing of God is greater than this. It's not worth missing out on God's blessing. Those three things got to inspect and they all deal with influence. The counsel of the ungodly, the way of the sinner, the seat of the scornful. I watch people struggle in their walk with God and I can tell you in five seconds why when I look at the people they're surrounded by every day. When the people they surround themselves with every day. And then there's a shift in the text and the writer gives us a contrast. And he says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of the sinner. But his delight, what that really means is what he chooses to allow to influence him. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I don't care what they say. I want to know what God says. I don't care what they have to say. What does God say? I'm going to delight myself in the law of God. I care more about the word of God than the word of my BFF. I care more about the word of God sometimes than the word of my parents. Oh, I'm going to preach to somebody. Uh, and before you get yourself twisted, I'm not condoning uh, dishonoring your mom and dad because uh, the Bible tells us to honor our mother and father. Uh, but if what they're telling you uh, is against the word of God, uh, you better learn how to shut that off in your life uh, and make up in your mind, uh, I'm going to delight uh, in the law uh, of the Lord. His delight. What he has chosen to influence him is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he what? There it is. It's the influence of the mind. This is what I'm going to choose to think about. I'm going to cast out all the other stuff that those people have been trying to put in my head. Anybody beside me ever had some thoughts that made their way into your life that were just garbage that somebody else spewed to you? Uh, a story they told you? Uh, some gossip they said? Uh, some bitterness they had in their heart? Uh, and just you, you somehow you let it get slip past you uh, and it got in your mind and it got in your heart? Uh, you want to know what you do with that stuff? Uh, you got to find a place where you finally say, uh, I'm casting that out of my mind. Uh, I'm not going to think about that any longer. Uh, I'm not going to let entertain that. Uh, I'm going to control uh, what I meditate on. Uh, what they said, what they brought, come on somebody, uh, is doing nothing but causing me grief. Uh, it's causing confusion. Uh, it's causing pain. Uh, come on. Uh, I'm going to meditate uh, on the law of God day uh, and uh, night. Uh, you better learn uh, how to get your mind focused uh, on things that are going to cause you uh, to be blessed in your life. 
in his law doth he meditate. And when you find somebody who has made up in their mind, I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm going to meditate on God's word, on his principles, on what's right. There's a promise to tell. Oh, this is the part I want to, there's my introduction. I'm going to preach how to be blessed. When you learn how to fix those things in your environment and make up in your mind what's going to influence you, his promise is he shall be like a tree. Pick your favorite tree. I don't care. Sister Wanda Lee probably picked a, a palm tree because she likes pineapples. Pineapples. Do they come from palm trees? Where do they come from? From the ground? Thank God I'm not a botanist. Pick your tree. He shall be like a tree, but don't miss this, planted by the rivers of water. Now in my mind, this is the most significant phrase of the entire text. Because in nature, Brother Leo, trees are not planted. In nature, trees grow up wherever the natural process of germination puts them. A squirrel carries the nut and drops it over here. The wind grabs the seed and blows it way over there. The dirt is whatever the process. It gets into the waters of the ocean and ends up on an island. Whatever it is, in the wild, a seed isn't planted. It just finds it. To say that a tree is planted is indicative of hands that have a plan for that tree. To be planted is indicative that somebody cares about where this tree is going to be located. Somebody is going to take the time to not let nature take its course, but I've got a purpose and a plan and a strategy for where this tree is going to be. And when you you meditate on God's law. God said you're going to be like a tree that is planted. You're not just going to be blown over here and blown over there. And I hope one day I can take root. And I hope one day I can grow. And I hope someday I can do. No, 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 no. God said when you do it my way, I'm going to plant you. I'm going to take you. And I've got a specific strategy and a purpose and a place that I am going I'll bring you all the way from New Jersey when I find you and I'll put your feet in some soil that'll cause you to become something that you only dreamed about becoming that'll cause you to grow into something that I always had planned for you he shall be like a tree planted I wish somebody in the building would throw your hands in the air uh, and shout, I'm planted. Uh, I've been planted. Uh, I've been divinely placed. Uh, I've been divinely positioned. Uh, my life is not left up to circumstance. Uh, my future uh, is not dependent on serendipity. Uh, my my destiny uh, is not dependent on which direction uh, that the wind blows. Uh, the hand of God uh, has uh, planted me.
shall be like a tree planted. Hey. Whoa! God said, bring it right over here, fellas. I got the spot prepared. I got the hole dug. I got the fertilizer ready. You see, uh, you see, God never puts anything into position until he first prepares the environment. Before he put Adam and Eve in the garden, what did he do? He created an environment. He made sure they had all the water they needed. He made sure they had food and resources. He made sure everything was just right. And when the environment was right, he said, now I'm going to put man in the garden. Can I preach to somebody? You didn't even understand that God was preparing a place for you. You didn't even understand that God was getting the nutrients together. He was preparing the opportunities and the door and the way so that when the right time came, God could look at you and say, come over here. I've got a place that's prepared for you. Oh, somebody ought to shout over that right now because when God prepares the place, when God hits the hole, when God makes the way, baby, you can take it to the bank. Something is about to happen in my life. Something special is about to take place in my life because God has planted me. Somebody shout yes. I'm so glad he planted me. Hey. He planted me. And here's what I love. Because how many of you have ever planted something before? How many of you understand you can't just put anything anywhere? If you put it where there's too much sunshine, it's going to die. Some plants, if you put it where there's not enough sunshine, it's going to die. Some plants, if there's too much water, it's going to die. Some plants, if it doesn't have enough water, it's going to... Some plants need the temperature really hot. Some plants need the temperature cold. Some plants do better in this season. There's a whole litany of dynamics that you have to figure out. What is the best place to put this plant? Just one foot in one direction or the other can make a difference between life and death in the life of that. Come on, somebody. Just, just a little shift here or there. That's why I'm careful. Don't just take yourself out of the will of God for your life. You think it's just a little shift. It's just a little move. But baby, when God plants you, it's for a reason. And God is mindful because God said, I've got the perfect thing picked out for you. I got the perfect place to plant you. He shall be like a tree planted. How? By the rivers of water. Whoa! God said, what does it take for a tree to grow really big? It's got to have a source of water. God said, I'm not going to plant you anywhere. I'm going to plant you in a place where the right flow has access to your roots, where your roots can catch what they need, where your roots can be nourished, where your roots can be watered. He shall be like 
a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody. God's got you right where he wants you. Somebody in the building right now. You just need to let your roots get down. You just need to let the process unfold. Don't get discouraged before the process is through. I know it looks. See, here's the deal. Being buried and being planted look exactly the same. Some of us think we died and been buried when really God said, I just planted you. I can't get no help up in the building, but it's dark under here and I feel all by myself and I'm all covered up. Just be patient with the process, baby. God planted you. And if you'll stay in that condition long enough, it won't be long before your roots start to kick through the shell. It won't happen above ground. It won't happen without the resistance of the dirt on top of you. It won't happen without the darkness of the absence of light. You gotta go in there, accept a corn of wheat die and fall into the ground it abideth alone but when God plants you and you get up under there that pressure that darkness causes your roots to begin to grow and eventually those roots will tap into the river that God planted you by and when your root hits that river baby get ready get ready you're about to grow like you never thought you would you're about to grow like you never thought you could and all of a sudden it's not just your roots going down but it's your branches that start breaking through the surface the sudden you start raising up you shall be like a tree that's planted I came to preach to somebody hold on hold on you're about to grow like you never thought you could tonight willing to be planted you got to be willing to go below the ground for a little while you got to be willing to disappear for a while you got to be willing for people to look and say they must have died they must have lost everything no 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 you don't understand the potential of what's inside of me can only come forth under the pressure of the process I'm preaching to some people in this building that have been through some of the greatest trials you've ever experienced in your life. It ought to be an indicator to you of the process that's about to happen. 
Come on, somebody. Don't waste your time in the process being discouraged, but use your time getting your roots as deep as you can get them. Use it. Come on. You ought to learn how to pray like you never prayed before. You ought to learn how to get in your word like you never have before. You ought to learn how to dig into the work of God. Like why? Because there's coming a moment when you're going to need those roots to support the growth that God wants to bring to your life. God said, I'm going to plant you. And I got the perfect spot prepared for you. This is why the Bible says it's foolish to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. I'm not trying to get in the place that God prepared for you. What God has for you, Brother Michael, is for you. And if I try to put myself where God prepared for you, I'm not going to experience the same potential that you're going to experience. I got to learn how to look at you and rejoice with them that rejoice and understand what God has for me is for me. My job is to get in position. My job is to get in my lane. My job is to find what God has for me to do. My job is for me to remain planted exactly where God placed me. I'm going to grow where God planted me. God knows best. God prepares the best. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody in this building. Then it goes on to say, and he shall bring forth his fruit in his season. Uh, if you were a farmer and you were planting stuff all in the farm, everything doesn't come up at the same time. Everything planted has a season for giving fruit. Some in these months, some in these months, some, some are perennials, some are whatever the other categories are, but everything has a season. That's why you can't look at somebody else when they're in a fruit-bearing season and wonder why you don't have any fruit on your tree. Could it be that you're just not in that season yet? If you'll just hold on and do what God said to do and remain, the worst thing you can do is just keep picking that tree up. Well, I must need to move it over here. And maybe I need to move the tree over here. And it's not working. So no, what's, what's not working is your patience. You're not given the time that's needed. If you'll just keep watering, if you'll just keep waiting, you will bring forth your fruit in your season. Somebody shout my season. I've got a season and it might not be your season but it's my season so I'm not afraid to shout with you when it's your season it doesn't take away from me because when it's my season Sister Manuska you better believe I'm going to be dancing you better believe I'm going to be shouting I came to preach to somebody in the building hold on because your season is coming. Hold on. It might have looked tough. It might have looked dark. 
it might have looked like nothing was happening but if you'll stay stay where God planted you your season is about to come and when it does you're going to be fruitful you're going to multiply I said you're going to multiply I'm preaching about how to be blessed. You didn't know all this was in Psalm 1. Shall bring forth his fruit in a season. And then this next part blows me away. His leaf also. It's like the writer was saying, if you think that's incredible, there's more. His leaf also shall not wither. I don't know of a plant in the earth realm that doesn't have times where its leaf withers. But God said, when you follow my process and you follow my plan and you keep the environment. See, we're still talking about environment. He likens the environment of ungodly counsel in the sinner and the scornful and he juxtaposes it with the environment that God prepares for us to be fruitful in. When you do it my way, you're going to be in a perpetual state of bearing. Your leaf is never going to wither. It's not going to die. You're not going to wither away. You're going to be full of life because your roots are perfectly connected and grounded to the thing that I prepared. I wish somebody in the building would shout over that tonight. Your leaf also shall not wither. Oh, I can shout over that tonight because I have endless resources with God. I'm connected to a God that nothing is impossible. I'm connected to a God who never runs out and he never runs short and he never runs dry. One writer said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. As long as you stay connected, as long as you stay planted, you're going to bear fruit and your leaf shall not wither. And then the end of verse 3 is so powerful. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I got three whoos and four hallelujahs right there. But if you really got the revelation of what this text just said, somebody would be losing their mind tonight. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You've heard of King Midas? Everything he touched turned to gold. God said when you got King Jesus, everything you touch turns into prosperity. Every job you work turns into, I wish I had a runner in the building. Every business venture you attempt turns into prosperity. Every relationship that you have 
it begins to prosper. Your ministry prospers. Your marriage prospers. Your family prospers. Whatsoever he doeth shall. But that's the way I want to live my life. I want to live my life. If you want to bless, just get me involved. If you want to prosper, just get me connected with what you're doing. If you want to prosper, just invite me to be a part of it. Why? Because I'm living under a promise that whatever, whatever I do, shall, shall, not maybe, not could be, not possibly, it shall prosper. Turn and tell your neighbor, you can't lose with the stuff I use. Antithesis. It's a digression of movement. Walking, standing, sitting. But then I find another text. Isaiah chapter 40. Start at verse 28, media. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It says, Hast thou not known and hast thou not heard? In other words, it's a statement of incredulity. I can't believe you didn't know this. Have you not known? Have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, that he fainteth not? <laughs> In other words, he's saying, my God doesn't get tired. Somebody ought to shout over there right there. He fainteth not. This is important. Neither is weary. He's older than everybody. And he ain't tired yet. He's done more than anybody. And he ain't tired yet. He ain't weary. He doesn't faint. He doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. There is no searching of his understanding. Verse 29 says, you know how he doesn't faint? He'll give power to those that are faint. Ah, so now we see that these are communicable attributes of God. If you serve a God that doesn't faint, God said, I want a people that doesn't faint. If you serve a God that doesn't give up, God said, I want a people that don't. So if you're tired, if you're faint, I'm going to give you power to overcome it. I wish I had a shouter in the building. He giveth power to the faint. Are you faint in this place? Have you said to yourself, I feel like giving up. I don't know if I can go any longer. I got good news for you. God said, I'll give you power. I'll give you power. And to them that have no might, 
Anybody beside me ever felt weak before? Thank you for all the honest people. The rest of y'all are going to hell on a scholarship for lying. You ever felt weary? To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. I said he increases strength. You need more strength? God will give it to you. Do you need more strength? God said I'll increase. Ask me for an increase. Ask me for more power. Ask me for more strength. I came to preach to somebody. You don't have to live in a state of no might. You don't have to live in a state of powerlessness. He said I'll give power. And then here it is. Let's go. Verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. What, what, why does he say that? Because when we think of who is the least likely to get tired, it would be my eight-month-old grandbaby who could live off 30-minute naps around the clock and kick her legs and her arms nonstop. If I had that kind of energy, I would explode. But even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31, we can all quote this. But they that wait upon the Lord. I'm headed to a close. Now that word wait is not what you do every time you're getting ready for church and you're sitting in the car hoping your wife would hurry up and get ready. It's not that kind of wait. Maybe it's some wives waiting on their husband to get ready. It's not that kind of a wait. That word wait is the original word cow vow, which literally means to intertangle or intertwine yourself into something, as in braiding something together. They that wait upon the Lord. You know what our human inclination is to do when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're faint? It's to untangle ourselves. It's to disconnect. It's to take a break. It's to retire. It's to sit down. It's to stop. But the word of the Lord says to do the opposite. They that get reinvolved. I'm going to tell some of y'all that got uninvolved. It's time to wait on the Lord tonight. It's time to get yourself back wrapped up in the kingdom of God. It's time for you to get yourself twisted back involved with the kingdom of God. Why? Because they that wait upon the Lord, they won't lose their strength. They shall renew their strength. I wish I had a shatter in the building. God said the more you're involved, the stronger you're going to get. The more you're involved, the more I'm going to renew your strength. The more you're involved. Come on, somebody. Do you need more strength? Do you need more power? 
It's time to get more involved. It's time to get inter intertwined. It's time to get entangled with the things of God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm still preaching about how to be blessed. Now listen, in Psalm 1, there was a digression of movement. But in Isaiah 40, there's a progression of movement. It's walking, then running, and then flying. He said, they that wait upon the Lord, they're going to mount up with wings as eagles. You know what eagles do that I love? We recently got back in the chicken business. God bless my wife. And chickens, they're funny. When they sense danger, they take off running, usually to their coop and maybe even up into the hen house. And we've had chickens before and a big storm is coming. And Brother Whitmire, when that wind starts blowing and that rain starts hitting, those chickens take off running for shelter. It's, it's an instinct in them to run from trouble. But you want to know what an eagle does when the wind starts blowing? He doesn't seek shelter. You know what the eagle does? He said, this is the perfect opportunity. And he spreads his wings. And he doesn't turn away from the wind. You know what he does? He turns and he faces the wind. Because he understands, I can take the power of the storm and let it cause me to elevate. If I'll just spread my wings and face the storm, the same thing that'll destroy others will cause me to be elevated. When you wait upon the Lord, God said, you're going to mount up with wings like an eagle. When you wait on the Lord, I dare somebody tonight who's in the middle of a storm Spread your wings and let the storm take you higher. Let the storm stop running from the storm and turn around and understand that God is on your side. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. That's the kind of running I want to do, Brother Dale. I want to be able to run and not be tired, not be weary. God said, when you're doing it my way, it's like perpetual energy that I'm going to give you to run. You're going to be able to run and run. Why? Because you're running a race. And the race isn't given to the swift. 
it's given to the one that endures until you got to keep on running and not give up you got to be able to keep on running and not stop you're gonna run and not be where you shall walk and not faint what I love is not only is it a progression of movement walking running and flying but it's an elevation of position and it's an increase in speed walking then running and then flying I'm moving faster and I'm going higher I came to preach to somebody tonight that all you got to do is get in position all you got to do is get in the right environment all you got to do is fix some things that are around you and God wants to position you to be blessed tonight God wants to position your family to be blessed God wants to push come on I feel the Holy Ghost come on I'm done preaching tonight somebody in the building ought to lift your hands and just begin to say all right God I want to be blessed all right God I want to live in blessing help me come on I want to live in blessing whatever it takes I got some friendships I need to fix I got some relationships I need to moderate I got some influences that I need to cut off God I got some commitments that it's time for me to make to your kingdom come on is there anybody in the building that's ready to be blessed is there anybody in the building come on lift your hands on this Tuesday night the blessing of the Lord is in this place come on the blessing of the Lord is in this place the blessing of the Lord is in this place
give God a praise in this place tonight. Come on, somebody give God a praise in this place. 